This is episode number 170 of the Rising Man podcast with Melanie Hirsch. There's a difference between neediness and expressing your needs. Good morning, Rising Man family. Jetty Azuma here checking in with you today. If you don't know me by now, I am the host of the podcast and the founder of the Rising Man movement. Honored to be speaking with you again here today and presenting another amazing guest on our show. Before we jump into that, make sure you go to risingman.org slash ignite. Yes, if you haven't heard of our 12-week online program called Ignite, it is the absolute essential launch pad sequence for men to get razor sharp clarity on what you want to create in your life, who you want to be, and how you can get there. So go to risingman.org slash ignite and get yourself signed up today. All right, Melanie Hirsch is a licensed marriage and family therapist and former matchmaker and dating coach at eHarmony. After seeing how much frustration other people were having on these dating sites, as well as her frustrations in the dating world, she traded in her therapy practice and began coaching men and women on how to have more satisfaction and success in dating. Today, she is a dating and relationship coach helping men and women who are struggling in the dating world and who are looking to have breakthroughs in their love lives. In this episode, Melanie shared why she got involved in helping men and women with dating and relationships. We discussed the current culture around dating and why it's so frustrating and awkward to try and genuinely connect with people. Melanie gave some insight and tips for how to improve your communication in your dating life, starting with being honest about your interest or non-interest in potential partners. We also talked about the importance of establishing boundaries in order to cultivate a healthy partnership and how you can begin identifying your boundaries in the dating process. Lastly, Melanie talked about the difference between neediness and expressing your needs and why the latter is essential to a healthy relationship. Without further ado, Melanie Hirsch. All right, Rising Man family, I have another amazing woman joining me here today, Miss Melanie Hirsch, coming in from my old home, Ojai, California. Good to see you, <laughs> Melanie. Hi, so great to be here. Yeah, I'm so glad we finally made this happen. And we are talking about one of the most critical topics today. One of the most, I find it's one of the topics that guys are most confused about, myself included, is dating and relationships. So (laughs) before we get into that, I'm going to put you on the spot right away. Are you ready for it? Put me on the spot. Let's go. (laughs) So what does it mean to be a man? So my perception of what it means to be a man is like strength groundedness. When I think of men, I think of roots Mm. and groundedness and also fearlessness and freedom too. It's funny because there's a rooted feeling I get when I think of men and then also Mm. this sense of like needing to be free. Yeah. Those are some of the things that pop into my head. For not being a man, you nailed it pretty well. (laughs) (laughs) At least for me, freedom is such an important thing about my journey in manhood, at least the way I see it. And I know that that's, even if guys don't identify that, yeah. we all can relate to it. When you say the word freedom, I think of, um, I don't know, have you ever seen that movie Braveheart? Long time ago, yeah. Okay, so that like chant, like, freedom! Yeah, there's, yeah, yeah. there's something that just makes our blood boil as men because mm-hmm. there is an element to that that's so important. So I told you I was going to put you on the spot. It's almost not fair because, of course, <laughs> there's a certain element of it that you just can't speak to because you're not a man. You don't identify as a man. Yeah. But I think it's so important to ask that question of women, too, because it reveals what your perspective as a woman is about what it means to be a man. And then okay. I can sit here as a man and say, huh, isn't that interesting? Yeah. You said fearlessness. 
obviously I didn't prepare you for this question. So why does fearlessness come up as something you describe as a man? I don't know. It's an interesting thing. When I think about it more, I'm like, is it really fearlessness? Because I mean, we all feel fear at times, right? And so I don't, right. I'm going to take it back. I don't necessarily think it's fear. I think maybe it's just strength and courage, you know, like maybe having fear, but having the courage to move through it and go beyond it. Yeah. I think there's a lot of people out there who would also, if put on the spot, would say fearlessness or something like that because of the expectations that we've hoisted upon men for so long. Totally. People think that way naturally. Oh, men, fearless. But no, (laughs) there's fear as well. And it's also something that makes a lot of us feel inadequate when we're like, well, I need to be fearless, but I'm terrified inside. So so what do I do with that? A lot yeah. of pressure, a lot of pressure. So that was actually very revealing. And thank you for playing along with that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll ask you a couple of easier questions here before we start talking okay, about you I a little can more. Go for any of these questions. Yeah. Great. So what do you love or appreciate most about men? Mm, I'm like, where do I start? I love masculine energy. So for me, that's depth of presence, like a feeling of strength. And when I really feel masculine energy, I feel like I can trust that energy. Like there's a certain level of trust. And I feel like with men, if I trust you, I feel like you have my back. Like I feel like I can relax when I'm around masculine energy and that when I can relax, then I can be soft and open and and feel into my feminine energy. And so that, I love that about the masculine. Yeah. That's one thing I hear a lot from women is the ability to relax yes. when it's really there, when that presence is there, like you said, when that sense of safety, when there's no hidden agenda, when it's yeah. honest and authentic and out in front, there's that ability to just soften and relax amidst the whole majority of your life as a woman, I imagine, is the opposite of that on guard, always trying to figure out what are people's intentions? Do they want something from me? Of course Mm -hmm. they do. What are they looking for? Right? Totally. It's so nice when you feel that, that sense of like trust and you can relax and it's just everything. You mentioned masculine in there. I want to come back to that in a second. I'll ask you this other question. We'll come back to it. So now obviously the contrast, what frustrates you most about men? Maybe sometimes that like a certain need to prove something or like an ego that might come up that wants to be the best or show you how to, that mansplaining. Mm. <laughs> like I, I know this thing and I'm going to show you how to do it versus, you know, yeah, just kind of sometimes a little bit of condescending, a little condescension, like uh, that can yeah. come up sometimes. Is it more relaxing for you or more of a relief when a man admits that he doesn't know something, when he's just honest about actually I don't know question. what's going on? That's interesting. I guess it would depend on the situation. If we're in the wilderness and we're lost and he says, I don't know where we are. (laughs) No, it's not more relaxing. Not going to make you feel better. I'd rather you just fake it and I'll follow you and hopefully we get out of there. But I think in general, when a man can say, yeah, I don't know this. Let me figure it out or let me look into this. That's great. I think an I don't know is welcome. I I found this in my relationship with my wife. She's totally open to the I don't know. As long as there's an underlying context of, and that's okay. We're going to be all right. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm going to figure out the answer or I'm going to go to someone who knows more than I do, but don't worry about it. It's going to be okay. Yeah. It's not just like, I don't know. What are we going to do? It's, I don't know. And then holding that solidness of, okay, but we're going to find our way through this. And that feels really good. Right. Which for me, when people ask me, what does it mean to be a man? I think that's such an important piece of that pie is to, by way of experience, by way of practice, by way of learning and growing, we get to a position where in any situation, in any scenario, 
we know how to move towards solution. Mm. Even if it's like you said, lost in the wilderness. I don't know the first thing about starting a fire, but <laughs> we're going to figure it out. Here, let's, let's try this. Let's do that. Yeah. Let's move towards solution, even if I don't know exactly what it is yet, which for me is a huge signature of masculine energy. Now, I want to go back to that because when I was asking you about what you appreciate and love most about men, you were talking about men and then you highlighted the masculine. You started to describe masculine as this anchor of security, of safety. This wasn't your words, but I would also say certainty or solution yeah. oriented mind. So do you make a distinction between men and masculine and women and feminine? Yeah, because I think we each have masculine and feminine energies within us. And I think that, you know, there's going to be some men that identify more with masculine energy and others that have more of a feminine energy. To me, when you say, what do you appreciate about men? It's like, there's so many different flavors of, you know, different men, but when I think of masculine, that I can kind of step into that. Yeah. Well, it's also very personal for you. Yeah. You know, I was asking, what do you love? Not what do all women love or appreciate yeah. about men? It sounds like what you love and appreciate is to experience that fully rooted and centered masculine that allows you to soften and relax into your feminine, which I know a lot of women who have <laughs> said, oh, that feels so good when I can do that, when I can let go of some of my own masculine energy that I've had to hold on to and just be in the juiciness of my feminine. Right. And by comparison, I also know some women who are in relationships with men who are much more feminine. Mm -hmm. And the women in those relationships seem to really enjoy being in their masculine. And it works. Yeah. There's that polarity. It's the balance. Right. So, yeah. And the whole David data, the masculine feminine polarity. I think that stuff really, it makes sense. Excellent. Cool. Well, now that we're all warmed up, I want to, <laughs> and thanks for being such a good sport about yeah. that. I know sometimes right off the bat, you're like, uh, I didn't yeah, know you it's great. It's, it feels like play. Awesome. So I want to know a little bit more about you because I genuinely don't know. I know that you were used to be or maybe you still have your credentials as an MFT, but you've yeah. leveraged your experience and skills into the world of dating coaching and yeah. mentorship. So why did you make that transition? Why did that seem important? Yeah, well, I've always been someone in the past. I was struggled with dating so much and I just felt like I was always attracting in unavailable guys and never was getting the relationship I wanted. And it was just a real pain point for me. And I was a therapist and I was super committed in that time to just figuring out like, what is going on here that I keep repeating these same patterns. And I like made it my mission <laughs> to figure out why do I keep attracting the same stuff in? So I really put a big focus in that area. And then as I started pulling the layers apart and really getting certain things, I started sharing that stuff with my private clients and working with them, the single women or men that were struggling. And they were starting to have a lot more success too. So I'm seeing like, oh, people are really shifting when we focus in this area. And then I started working for eHarmony. They were hiring therapists at one point for this elite dating service they were doing. Mm. And they were hiring therapists to work as matchmakers and dating coaches. And I thought, this is interesting because this is my jam. So I started working for them and I did. I loved helping people focus in this realm because I think what it reveals, you know, the things that come up when you're dating and your insecurities and fears and all that stuff, it's like this gateway to really all this beautiful inner work. You know, there's so much that becomes revealed when you poke around in that area. Once I started working on eHarmony and I was just loving that, I just thought, I want to go all in on just coaching people and working on this area and helping people feel 
more solid and have more success. So I just let go of my therapy practice and went all in on the coaching. That's awesome. It's really fascinating to me that a company like eHarmony, which, you know, I always think that the corporate world gives us such a glimpse into what is happening on more of the mass scale. So if a corporate company like that, you know, they say like, here's our formula, here's how we help you get set up with date matches, are offering counseling (laughs) and support services. I think that just speaks to the complexity of dating in general. And that I think there's also a lot of us who assume that this is something we should just know how to do, Yeah, that we forget that it's a skill, that it's something that is developed and the ability to express yourself honestly is not something that we're just born into. Yeah, it's not natural. I always wonder, you know, why is this stuff not taught more in schools, you know, learning how to communicate in healthy relationships. And I used to be a part of, um, we would go into schools and work with counsel and work with kids and help them, you know, with their emotional intelligence and communication and all of that. And I just love that. And I wish that was more in the world because I think, you know, if we worked on these skills at an earlier age, it would be easier when it came to dating. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think that's why online dating exists in general. Obviously, one part of it is just the nature of how people have learned how to connect. So much of our connection now is it's almost assumed that there's going to be a virtual or digital connection, right? Yeah. Just running into somebody at the coffee shop and then sparking up a conversation and, you know, then having a happily ever after story. It's definitely not the norm anymore. No. But I think it's also that we haven't developed those emotional intelligence skills. Yeah. You know, so uncomfortable. There's so many. I mean, I used to work with kids too. So even kids Mm. that are just a decade and a half behind me are so uncomfortable. They feel so unsafe to express who they really are. And of course, just like any other human being, when their true self comes out, it's beautiful. Yeah. But it takes so much work to get there with someone. And so I want to talk a little bit more about that because I think that's something that a lot of people who listen would relate to just accessing that self? How do we create a safe environment for us to really let that part shine through and see that that part is lovable and worthy in the space as well? Yeah. Just feeling more comfortable being authentic. Yeah. And I think in my experience and in doing this work, the thing that has helped people the most is really doing a deep dive on those subconscious limiting beliefs that are underneath the surface. I think that those really create insecurities and that feeling of I'm not safe and I've got to hold things back. I believe like the root are these beliefs that we've picked up in life. Could be from childhood. It could be from later in life where we have these fears and they hold us back a lot. You know, a big focus of the work I do with clients is on really pulling all those up and working with them so that they can feel free and at peace in this realm. Right. Which for anybody who's hearing that and is like, okay, well, where do I start? <laughs> and that could be a very big cliff to jump off of, right? It Looking is, down, yeah. you're like, whoa. Yeah. And it's not something you need to do all at once, but it's something that we talk about a lot. Finding and identifying spaces where your honesty is welcome and mm-hmm. judgment is left at the door, whether that's one-on-one with a coach or a therapist or even just a close trusted friend. Mm -hmm. or it's in a space, you know, like I prefer, I love when men step into our circles and are able to, for the first time say, this is something that's real about me that I've Mm -hmm. never told anyone before. And to see, to look around afterwards and say, oh, no one's running away. No one's ridiculing me. Nobody's putting distance. They're leaning in and they're still here. It's transformative. So powerful. It's so healing. It's so powerful. It's really, it's everything. (laughs) Yeah. 
Yeah. So important. So yeah. let's stay on the topic of communication. Yeah. Right. Cause I think that's a really big thing that comes up. I interviewed a friend of mine, Erica Vargas on the show a couple of months back and she's also a relationship and dating coach. And mm. she told me something I was completely oblivious to that women in the online bumble world of dating yeah. get ghosted all the time. And I don't know if it goes both ways, but she was talking about her experience and what yeah. she's heard from working with other women. And I couldn't understand it. I was like, are you serious? This is, mm -hmm. this is what guys are doing out there. So mm -hmm. I'd like to hear your perspective on that and maybe a little yeah. bit of why you think that's happening. Well, I think that there's a difference between ghosting on an app before you've met someone and ghosting after you've met someone. So uh -huh. I think when you're on an app and you're exchanging messages with someone and then they disappear. I mean, a lot of the women I work with, you know, they freak out, you know, what happened to this guy? It's, uh -huh. they get really um, wound up around it. But that to me is just really natural. Everyone's juggling a lot of people. People get busy. They don't really know you. You know, it's easy to just disappear. It's sort of like you're just this random person that you're texting with on an app. It's like losing interest, right? It's yeah. like it's like if you ran into somebody at a bar, you're like, oh, let's have a conversation. And it's like, oh, well, well that's There's it. someone you know? else. And oh, how are you? And yeah, I mean, it's just to me, it's part of just what happens and people need to have more resilience in that realm. I think like really work on being more resilient and not creating meaning from it. Let's talk about that first. Okay. And then we'll get into ghosting after because that is really, yeah. Exactly. So how do we cultivate that? Because there is so much, we put so much meaning into, do they like me? Are they going to write me back? Do they want to go on a date? Oh, no, no, no. They shut me down. They blocked me. Uh-oh. No one's going to ever love me. Yeah. And I think that that comes from a lot of people put too much pressure, like they're looking to someone to fulfill them. You know, I think a lot of times when we're not fully fulfilled in our lives, then we're looking for to bring someone in who can fulfill us. And so there's this extra pressure on wanting them to respond and, oh God, and there's a fear maybe for a lot of women, time's running out and all this stuff, again, the limiting beliefs, that gets in the way. And I think it's like so many people come to dating. I always say like a job applicant, like they're mm. looking, pick me, pick me. And oh God, if they don't pick me, you know, like there's this fear and doesn't work well when you show up to dating <laughs> as a job applicant, just energetically, it's not attractive. You're coming from like an anxious pick me, pick me place versus a grounded, I am whole, I'm centered yeah. in myself. And am I interested in you? You know, I think that's really the place to come from. I think people get spun out when they're not chosen. And it's like, well, if someone's not choosing you, that's not the right person for you. The right person for you is going to be interested in you. It's easy to say, right? In theory, like conceptually it makes logical sense, but you know, we know the heart has other ideas. And I think the dynamic can go both ways, right? There's someone who might show up as needy, who's really anxious about the dynamic. And then maybe there's the other person, whether it's the man or the woman in the exchange, who is afraid to let that person down. Maybe they feel the anxiousness yeah. And they're like, ooh, I don't want to hurt their feelings. And totally. maybe that's where the ghosting comes from. It's like, oh, it's easier just for me to like escape out the back door. I think sometimes the ghosting can absolutely happen. Yeah, they don't want to hurt someone. Which is also problematic. I mean, we need to be able to, like you said, there's no harm in saying, hey, I think you're great. I'm just, I'm not interested in taking this any further, but I'm so glad that thank you for having a conversation with me. Thank you for showing some interest. It was nice to spend time. Absolutely. I think that's so important. And you know, so many people avoid that. There's like this fear around disappointing someone. For me, I would have recognized, obviously we're talking about dating, but in a lot of other realms, we take responsibility for how other people feel. 
yeah. as though we can make people feel a certain way. Right. And I think that's just important just to yeah. highlight that, that you cannot make anybody feel a right. certain way. <laughs> They're going to have their own experience and you're responsible for how you show up. And I always say, letting people down, if you're being authentic and kind, what else can you do? You know, like mm -hmm. that's the best you can do. And then whatever their experience is on the other end is going to be their experience. I think what it really comes down to is being honest without any intention of doing harm. Yeah. If you're really clear in your conscious that, well, I didn't tell you I wasn't interested to hurt you. I didn't tell you that because I wanted you to feel bad about yourself. That's yeah. just what was honest. And if it makes somebody feel bad or they feel bad as a result of that truth, then what can you do? And that's why I think it's so important for people to really do the inner work, like make sure you've cleared these beliefs that are running you and insecurities and really do that work. Because I think in order to date successfully, you have to be resilient. You have to know how to roll with things. There's going to be people that don't choose you and that's okay. But if you make that mean something and it takes you down, then you're going to hate dating and it's going to suck. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, all these little things that show up, it's just an indication to me of that there's some inner work that needs to be done, you know, when these things yeah. spin you out. Well, we both know this as coaches, that there's always a deeper layer than is apparent yeah. to the people that we're working with. So when you dig in a little bit deeper with people, do you ever find that some people at the root of it are just more comfortable being in that victim story, that it's actually more safe for them to be stuck on that story of, well, nobody's going to ever love me. Oh, Nobody yeah. thinks I'm attractive enough. Yeah. I think it's familiar to them. You know, if that story is something they've been holding on to for a while, mm. yeah, they get stuck in that victim mode and then they just keep recreating the same experiences <laughs> because it's like, that's what they believe is true. So everything sure. shows up to match that. Sure. Yeah. People, I bust them on this all the time. Cause I'm like, don't you think that you're choosing to look at it? that? Are you not yeah. choosing to look at it that way? Isn't there other evidence in your life that you are, who is choosing you in your life? Have you looked at that lately? And they're like, oh, well, no. I'm like, well, why don't you look at that? Yeah. It can feel really, I mean, people, when you're coming from that victim lens, it's like, yeah, it gets comfortable for people. It's like Eeyore. You know, it's yes. that, oh, it feels good to just be complaining and, uh, you know. Well, because if I tell myself what I can expect, then there's less of a letdown, right? The fall from that cliff is not as steep when I already yeah. saw it coming. Totally. And then you're right. Because if everything is going to suck and people let you down and then they do, it's like, see, I'm right. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> and there must be some weird satisfaction in that on some level. <laughs> yeah. I also kind of get it too, because I know how it's way more vulnerable to open yourself up to connection. And then when connection yeah. does happen, it's way more vulnerable when you start to feel love and attachment to somebody yeah, and totally. the risk of that going away. It's, I mean, it's one thing to be in a new relationship. It's a whole nother when you get married. And then when you have children, I mean, the vulnerability of the idea of maybe I'll lose my children someday. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't prevent you from having kids, but it's a huge risk. Yeah. Because the heartbreak of something like that, and obviously by comparison, but the heartbreak of a relationship not working out, the fear of heartbreak. How about that? Let's talk about that for a second. Yeah. There's so much fear of heartbreak. And it's sad to me sometimes when I see that fear take over in people and they hold back. And I think actually we'll go back to the ghosting thing because I think that for a lot of women I work with, what I see happening is that they're afraid to be vulnerable. They're afraid that they're going to be rejected. And so they kind of hold back and try to be on good behavior. They play the version of themselves that they think mm -hmm. the man is going to like if they're really attracted to him. So they're not actually being authentic and vulnerable. And so what I think happens is that 
you know, if a man, to me, if he can't connect with your heart, if he can't really feel you, in the end, I think he's going to go with the woman who he can drop in with and he feels her authenticity and he feels her heart. He feels her openness. Like that is so much more attractive. And so women are always saying to me, why are guys always ghosting me? And when I start exploring with them, it turns out they're not really being authentic and real and vulnerable. And so it makes sense. Of course, you know, the guys they like aren't going to choose them. They can't feel them. Yeah. It just makes me think of an experience I had in my early 20s. I was dating someone and it was probably the second or third real serious relationship I had. And I was yeah. just completely enamored by her. I thought I was going to marry her someday. Yeah. Everything. I was comparing her to my previous relationship, which is also something that's not wise to do, but I was comparing it. I was like, wow, this is so much better than the last relationship I was in. Yeah. And I think it was about a year into the relationship. She just broke up with me out of nowhere, got really weird, broke up wow. with me out of nowhere. I was devastated. It took me like six months to get over this relationship. Mm. And eventually, probably a year after yeah. she came out and told me she was a lesbian. And I was like, whoa, like, okay. Yeah. I mean, that, that's all right. I get it. Like uh -huh. if that was the case, that still would have hurt a little bit, but I wish you would have told me that then because I spent a whole six months to a year making up this big story about myself, not something was wrong with me, right? I'm defective because right. I got broken up with. Yeah, I think it just reflects that level of honesty and transparency. And I know that I'm speaking from a privileged place, right? Like I have a really beautiful relationship, my wife. We've deepened our intimacy and vulnerabilities so far. I don't even remember what it's like to be in the first stages of relationship with somebody anymore. Yeah. So I have a lot of compassion for what it is like because it, it is risky to start opening yourself up, not knowing where it's going to go. But that's also part of the, it could be, if we reframe, it could be part of the thrill of it. Absolutely. I mean, it's just this wild ride. You don't know where it's going and it's all about being present and open and being willing to risk, you know, heartbreak. And mm -hmm. it's like, you have to be able to be vulnerable and risk or else can't go anywhere. Well, in the spirit of that, let's circle back to the ghosting. Okay. When, when you've actually gone beyond just the swipe left, swipe right, I'm not returning text messages anymore, mm -hmm. but we've actually had a little bit of a relationship. Either we went on a couple of dates and now I'm just disappeared off the face of the earth. So why does that happen? And we could talk about from, I mean, do women ghost men too, or is this like a unidirectional experience? All the time I have clients okay. and they'll just, I used to do it as well. Like back in the day, if I went on a date with a guy and I just wasn't feeling it, there was a time in my life when I was really afraid to let him down. It just felt so scary to me. So I was, oh, I'm so busy. Uh, let me get back. Let's touch base next week. And you know, uh -huh. just keep pushing it off until they go away. I was right. so afraid to just speak my truth. And that shows up for a lot of women and men. It's just a fear of disappointing people. So I think that that happens. It's just easier to disappear than to share. But, you know, on the receiving end, it's so much better if someone just shares their truth with you. So well, let's flip it for a second. I actually would challenge, is it actually easier? Because anybody who gets in the habit of, well, this is how I deal with a relationship I'm not into that feels really uncomfortable to be honest. Mm -hmm. If you just keep doing that same thing, then that's what you're practicing. That's the skills that you're building up. So mm -hmm. three years of that, five years of that, the only thing you're really good at is disappearing when things don't work out Yeah, and not actually approaching it with honesty, doing the more uncomfortable thing, leaning into it and saying, hey, you know what? I'm not interested in pursuing a relationship anymore. As mm -hmm. hard as that is the first time, you may not get the response that's comfortable, 
Yeah. But developing that skill of just being honest with somebody, because that's the only way you're going to get into a, the kind of relationship that people want ultimately, right? Totally. It's just that level of authenticity. Yeah. yeah. I think it's so important to develop that. And yeah, it can be easy to just cut people off and walk away and never look at it again. But I think you feel, I mean, ultimately, I think in the bigger picture, it feels better to be able to express yourself and not be afraid. Because I think when you're running away and you're ghosting, if like men are doing that, let's just say, it's because there's a certain fear or a certain disconnect. And I think if you can actually share and be authentic, it feels better. You're more integrated. You know, there's nothing you're mm. running away from. Yeah. And I think also from the men's perspective, the thing we forget is that the most attractive thing is honesty. And a certainty of self, of knowing who I am, knowing what I want, knowing what I don't want. I mean, that's what women tell me all the time. Is, totally. Where are the decisive men? Where's the guy who's going to yeah. be upfront and clear with me about what he's looking for, who he is, if we're not practicing in those moments to become that man? And yeah. obviously, the same is true for the women, but we're talking about men right now. Yeah. Then we're not actually preparing ourselves for the relationship we say we want. It's backwards. We're just stalling out and stunting our growth. Totally. I so agree. So just a good flip. And maybe you're not ready for that. You know, maybe you're listening to this. You're like, dude, that sounds so risky, so edgy, so uncomfortable. Okay, that's fine. But then what is that baby step? If you're not going to jump off the cliff, then what's that first tiny jump that you're going to make that's going to be a little bit more risky for you so that you can prove that, hey, you're going to survive this and you're going to be fine. Mm -hmm. So are you talking about like when men want to walk away? That or really I'm talking about anything. Since we're talking about dating and relationships, yeah. anywhere where you have the opportunity to be honest about something, where that feels like the most uncomfortable thing you could possibly do. I think do. sometimes just being able to say, I feel uncomfortable right now, but you know, you just naming it, freaking naming it, like just naming things, there's a little bit more ease and truth is coming out. And I think that's a really important first step. Yeah, that's one of my favorite moves to do. Because I always tell people, I talk a lot about leadership too. So yeah. I always tell people that the leader in the room is the one who's willing to be the most uncomfortable. I look around the room and I see everybody's got different like levels of what I can tolerate in terms mm -hmm. of discomfort. And I know I'm the one leading if I'm like, all right, well, let's go here. And I'm still grounded. And when I find myself in a room where there's another dude who's going even deeper than I'm willing to go, I'm like, okay, you're clearly leading in the space here. So I think about that. It's one of my favorite moves when you get into a space and you just recognize everyone's uncomfortable. And just to call it out, say, just taking the temperature of the room, who else is really uncomfortable right now? Anybody like, what are you thinking in your head? It just, it deflates all the anxiety. Totally. It's like your feelings are, you know, everyone can connect. It's like, oh gosh, like, oh, you're feeling that too. And it drops everything into a deeper place and gives permission for people to have the experience they're having by talking about it. It's just so huge. That alone, I think is a skill, right? To identify yeah. that and then combining that recognition and awareness with the courage to say something mm -hmm. and not knowing what the outcome is going to be, but just like, Hey, I'm kind of feeling uncomfortable. Is anybody else here uncomfortable? Are you uncomfortable? Is this awkward right now? What's going on? And that's such a great thing. You know, if someone even feels that on a date, if something is weird or off or like, maybe you're both like really stiff and you're both nervous and, you know, just to be like, are you feeling weird right now? Is this feel uncomfortable to you? I notice I'm like sweating. And I mean, that is such a great way to break the ice is just owning how you're feeling. Totally. Yeah. And could be open up more possibilities in that dynamic. This is actually really good because I think all the stuff we've talked about too up to this point to remove a lot of the anxiety, remove a lot of the fear yeah. around just presenting ourselves, honestly. I think that's like the best way I could summarize what we've talked about so far is getting to that point. And there's a lot of different ways you could get to it. Probably 
10 episodes of podcast worth. <laughs> <laughs> totally. But ultimately, that's opening up the doorway to the conversations that lead to longer, more committed, more invested relationships. So yeah. conversations where we can actually talk about boundaries, where I can express my needs, where I can express what I can be available to hear your needs in a relationship. None of that is possible until you can at least get to the baseline level of honesty. Being able to be comfortable with yourself and be willing to share and be vulnerable. It's like everything. You can't get to the next level without it. You can't uh -huh. go there. And I think it's so interesting because the people I work with, that fear gets in the way so often. That fear of being rejected. If they see who I am and they don't choose me, then I think they make that mean something about their own worth. And so they hold it back. And then they're like, why is no one picking me? Why am I not in a relationship? It's like, all right, this is it. <laughs> yeah. I know a real one for me. I'll be very transparent. Not wanting to make somebody uncomfortable. Yeah. So just like every other guy, there's many times where I want to say, you're beautiful. You got really beautiful hair. Your mm. eyes are amazing. Something like that. I'm a very happily married man. Yeah. Right? I'm not trying to like pick up on anybody. Yeah. But it's not the fear of me being rejected because I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I have nothing invested in this. Yeah. It's more, I don't want to make someone feel uncomfortable. Mm. And I think that's also the only way you overcome that or any other story is giving yourself the evidence that that's not true. Yeah. Or, or figuring out a way to express that, say, this feels a little bit awkward to say this because I know I don't know you, but yeah. I'm going to say it anyway. I think you're really beautiful. And I just wanted to tell you that. And I think women love for, you know, women love that kind of feedback. I mean, exactly. so as long as you're not coming from a slimy place of, you know, it's a different energy. If you're coming from a pure place yeah. of just acknowledging a woman's beauty it's hard for me to imagine a woman not enjoying that. I mean, it, she might have a little like, oh, he, you know, a little embarrassment or something. But I mean, we love that. We love to be totally. acknowledged and praised. So Right. And also recognizing that it may not always be received that way because the person that you are giving this compliment to might have their own stuff that really blocks them from receiving that. Totally. And that might make them like say, ew, get away from me. Right. And all you can do is just be as kind and authentic and real as possible. And whatever the other person's reaction is, is their reaction. I mean, that's the thing. We can't take responsibility for someone else's reaction. Right. And to just be able to say, huh, that's interesting. Or, oh, okay. Yeah. Even if they get all weird, it's like, okay, well, they have a interesting reaction to that. All right, moving on. You know, that's it. Okay. So cool. So we pretty much nailed down the honesty piece. Yeah. There was something that you had mentioned we could talk about this neediness versus expressing your needs. Hmm. Let's talk about that a little bit. Cause I think we've already, we've alluded to some of that. Obviously it shows up in the dating experience, but what about when you're actually in relationship or you're starting to create the foundation of a possible long-term relationship and that neediness creeps in. What is this distinction that you've drawn up here? I think it's so important to make this distinction because so often there's a real difference between when you're needy, it's like you're needing your partner's energy. You're needing them to show up in a certain way for you to feel good. You know, So you're trying to almost control how they're doing things so that you can feel okay. It's kind of like a there can be a codependency. It's like there can be anxiety. It's yeah, like you're not okay within yourself and you're needing them to do something different. Whereas I feel like when you're expressing your needs, it's a complete different energy. Like uh, being able to share with someone like what you need in relationship, like let's just do a simple one with timing. You know, if you're going to be running late 
can you send me a text ahead of time so that I can plan for dinner or whatever, you know, like being able to just share, this is something I need so that I can plan and feel good. That's just sharing a need. But, you know, when you're coming and you're needy, why are you always late? And, you know, it really impacts me. And that's like a different energy. Yeah. Well, I also find this is where it's really valuable to introduce the concept of making a request. Because there's a distinction between requests and demands. I think that neediness energy is more of a demand. Totally. You must do this so that I feel this is, it's a lot of pressure. And it assumes that that other person is not only willing, but capable of meeting this demand that you have. Yeah. A good example of it is, uh, let's use the example you said of, Mm -hmm. well, if you are running late, my request is, can you at least give me a call? to as a heads up, let's say my wife is making that request to me and I can say, hey, listen, I will do that every time I'm able to do it. Mm -hmm. But sometimes I'm running late because I'm in a call with a client and I can't. But what I will do is I'll take a pause and I'll send you a text message. I can't Mm -hmm. call you and let you know. But what I can do is I can send you a text. Does that work for you? Then it's like, oh, okay, well, you really heard my need and you're not doing exactly what I suggested, but that works for me. As Mm -hmm. long as I hear something from you, it creates this dynamic of working together towards something versus like you said, the more of a manipulative way to get what you want. Yeah. Getting what you want. Totally. It is manipulative. (laughs) And so, Uh yeah, I think just being able to express a need and then work with that and you can go back and forth and she goes, okay, that works. And yeah. Sometimes the needs that are expressed, I can't say yes to, or or I won't because it compromises some other agreement I have with myself. Yeah. And then you get to negotiate or figure out, does this work or not? Exactly. Or they say, Hey, okay, well, here's a real breakdown. If you're not able to do this, then what else can we do? And, you know, obviously we're speaking in theoreticals here, but that might be where it's revealed that, hey, this actually is a deeper compromise of values. I'm not willing to compromise that part of myself. So it's not going to work out. Totally. I mean, there was a man I was with for a while and I really just loved him. But for him, you know, he was a builder and he was always working on things and working late and everything was last minute because there's problems with the houses. And for me, I know one thing that I know I need is a partner where, you know, we can have meals together. We know, I know that you can come home by, you can commit to being home by seven or whatever time and that we can share meals together. For him, that was really stressful because his work was number one. And so it ended up, it's like, you know, we couldn't continue because we were just in different places. And so it's so important to know, like, what do you need to be happy and fulfilled and make sure you're honoring that? Yeah. Which I know is it really, it's something that I know a lot of relationship coaches and people who are in the work, like you are specifically encourage more of that upfront honesty, because yeah. if you're not honest upfront, you might just be delaying the inevitable. And totally. the more time that goes by, the harder the letdown is, the bigger the heartbreak, right? But there's also a balance to it, right? I mean, it's a whole nother thing to go on your first date and lay all of your cards out on the tables. What's the balance there? What do you usually coach people around with that? You know, I think there's a spectrum, right? Of like vulnerability and what you share and all that stuff. And so I think that, you know, if you're sharing about your lifestyle or just who you are, what's important to you, your lifestyle, I think go ahead and share that because that's, you know, if it's not a fit, better to know that early on. But, you know, in terms of vulnerability and how authentic to be about about things, I think there's a spectrum, you know, maybe not the most appropriate time or won't feel the best, you know, when you first meet someone to go into the deepest trauma of your life and your deepest wounding. But maybe you share that, 
oh, I'm working with a coach on relationship stuff, or I see a therapist. Like there's some vulnerability. You're sharing something that's true, but it's not the deepest stuff. So I think, yeah, that's kind of what I see in terms of how to share in the very beginning. I think the thing I always think about is there's no formula to it. There's no manual on how to navigate it. You sort of just have to develop that calibration of your gut. What does your gut tell you? Does your gut tell you to share that? Yeah. Go ahead, fire away and then see how did it work out? Okay, well, maybe, you know, I dial my gut back a little bit. Maybe that wasn't my gut. Maybe that was my desire to move (laughs) fast and, you know, see what that is. Totally tune into yourself and what feels right in that moment to express. And sometimes it's not the right time to share certain things. Yeah. But again, the lifestyle stuff, if there's a man and he is not, he doesn't want to be in a monogamous relationship. He wants to be able to date multiple women and have that kind of situation. And he doesn't want to commit to one person. That's not his jam. I think definitely bring that up when you first meet someone, because that's important for them to know, you know? I think that's also something a lot of guys who are beginning to date are afraid of is they imagine or they assume that all women who are dating are looking for a long-term relationship. And I think an important part for both men and women is to experience that short-term, unattached, maybe even dating multiple people with not being so attached that there's something therapeutic in that. Yeah. You know, that overrides that story of there's only one person out there for me or there's a scarcity of matches. So I need to lock my talents into the first one that pops up. Yeah. But to have that level of honesty, like, hey, just to be upfront, you know, I'm not right now ready for a long term commitment. I'm just meeting people and getting to see what it is I'm looking for. Are you open to that? I think it's so important. And there's going to be tons of people that will be open and others that are like, nope. And so, yeah, just share what's true for you. I think it's so important. There you go. Truth and honesty, that seems to be the theme. Yes, it's the theme of the day. I love it. (laughs) Wow. So time goes by really fast. Here we are. We'll have to save whatever we've got for another chapter of our conversation. But before I cut you loose, I want to ask you a couple of quick rapid fire questions. And then you could tell us where people can go to find you and work with you. Okay, great. All right. So first one is, what is one thing you've learned that you wish you knew when you were 18? God, just be fully true to myself. Mm -hmm. Love it. What do women need more of from men? Presence. Beautiful. And if you had one singular message for all the men out there about women, what would that be? When you can drop into our heart and hold space for our heart without judgment and just be there for us in that way, it's so healing. I love it. I'm going to log that one in my memory for my relationship as well. (laughs) So Melanie, it's been so great getting to know you a little bit more and finding out more of your perspective on this mysterious dating realm. Where can people follow you, find you, get to work with you? Give us all the details. I've got the social media, you know, I'm Melanie Hirsch, H-E-R-S-C-H on Instagram. And then I have a good at you is my uh, business name on Facebook and good at you.com is the website. So where you can find me. We'll link it up in the notes so everyone can find you. Great to speak with you today. And uh, maybe we'll run into each other next time I cruise around the Ojai area. I would love that. Yeah. Let me know when you're around. Will do. Thank you so much for bringing your truth and your honesty about the subject. Because again, it is confusing for a lot of folks. So I appreciate your honesty about it. Mm, My pleasure. All right, fam, make sure you go to risingman.org to check out all the amazing things we got going on in the Rising Man community. If you're not already subscribed to our weekly newsletter, make sure you go drop your email in there so we can send you the latest updates for everything going on for you to stay tuned in, tapped in to the Rising Man community. 
Please subscribe and follow us wherever you're listening to us, including following us on Instagram at Rising Man Movement and our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash The Rising Man Movement. Shout out to the power team, Kyle, Mark, Ryan, Rowan, Sean, and Julian. Thank you guys for working so hard each and every week, day in, day out. Where would I be without y'all? Nowhere. That's where. (laughs) And everybody else who's listening, you guys know I love you too. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, rise up and claim your destiny.